I don't always start with a joke, but I just felt compelled this morning to start with a joke. This morning, I, this one, I, I don't find it on here, but it, it was so funny. It was, it was this guy that was walking by a mental hospital and there was a fence, it was behind the hospital and he's walking by this fence and he heard the patients out there yelling, 13, 13, they're chanting 13, 13. And he's like, what in the world is going on? So he goes back to the fence and he finds a hole where he can look through the fence and he sticks his eye up there and he gets poked in the eye with a finger and they go, 14, 14. I thought that was a funny one. Yeah. Is that good? Okay. All right. My, jo- my dog just ate a wild mushroom. We just spent $140 for the vet to tell us she's high. There's another one. Just, is that not good? Just, just burned 2,000 calories. That's the last time I leave those brownies in the oven while I take a nap. Oh yeah, I like this one. My wife tells me that I have two major faults. I don't listen, and there was something else. Can you, can you turn in your Bible to John 20? John chapter 20. Let me get back to my notes. I had notes in here somewhere. All right, John chapter 20. How many of you have to, how many of you used what they call cheaters? Anybody? Got one hand. Okay, great. Big girl glasses. So, man, I was praying this morning. I guess God's got two different messages stirring in my heart. And I was going to go a different direction, but during worship, Zach made a couple comments, and so I'm, I feel like I want to go to another message. So, scratch John 20. Move over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And, man... Probably one of, the, one of the verses that Billy Graham made famous, even more famous than it already was, was John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Let's just start with those five words. For God so loved the world. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he began to preach a lot about the kingdom of God. And you can't have a kingdom without people, can you? You need people to be able to have a kingdom. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 28, it says, in a multitude of people is a king's honor. So without a kingdom, without many people, the king doesn't have honor, right? And so I don't know about you, when I read my daily Bible reading plan, and especially when it gets to books like Numbers and Lamentations, and you start reading all the genealogies, how many of you kind of, kind of, you know, your eyes glass over and you're, you know, you're, you're reading it and you're like, I don't know these people. I don't read them. I don't read them anywhere else in the Bible, but here they are in the genealogies. And you might wonder, why are all these genealogies in here? Well, I discovered it's because God is very interested in every single person. Why would he go take such lengths to make sure that he lists all of these people in the Bible? It's because God's most important priority is you. He loves you 
so much he's got every hair counted on your head. And for me, that's, that's been a progression. I don't know how you keep up with that, you know, because it, it changes, you know. I, anyway, Nicole loses a lot of hair. I wonder how God keeps up with her. She just has so much more. But see, every single person matters to God, don't they? How many of you have ever heard the story about the little boy that was, he was out on the, out on the ocean, out on the shore, and all these starfish had washed up on the shore, and he felt sorry for him, so he started to pick him up and throw him back into the ocean. And this older guy finally came to him. He'd been watching him throw these starfish back into the ocean, and he said, he said son, they're just going to wash back up on the shore. I mean, what you're doing isn't really making a difference. It really doesn't matter. And that boy said, well, it matters to this one. And he threw the next one out into the ocean. You know, this is how much you matter to God. Not that you're going to wash into shore again, okay? It's just an example. But God cares so much about people. People matter more to him. Let me read to you out of 1 John chapter 3. Verse 1 says in the expanded Bible translation, this is John writing to Christians. He says, the Father has loved us so much that we are called the children of God. I just talked to you for a moment during worship about how you and I became not just forgiven, but we became God's children. This was the, this was the very thing that God was after. You think about in the garden, we talked a little bit about this last week, about how when Adam and Eve sinned, then God could no longer have fellowship with man. There was a separation that happened. And the whole point of Jesus was to restore what was lost in the garden. Everything that was lost in the garden was restored at the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, right? So we've become children. So have you ever had someone copy you? They copycat, they mimic you, everything you say, everything you do. I remember I had this, I had a best friend in high school, his name was Andrew, and uh, we spent every weekend together, every moment together, you know, you're, you know, your best friend, you're always together. And anyway, Andrew moved to Pennsylvania. And when he moved, there was another guy that was friends with us, but we weren't as close. And I remember he tried to step in and be that Andrew to me. And it really came off as annoying. Have you ever experienced that? You know, somebody steps in, they try to be, fill that slot, you know, and it, it was really annoying. And he, he even tried to act like Andrew, even tried to dress a little bit like him. And well, when your kid does it, it's very honoring, you know? I used to steal my dad's cigarettes. He smoked a long time ago. And I was three years old. And how many of you remember those cars that you had back then? He had a 1971 Dodge Challenger. So uh, we had that one, and then dad had a, uh, a uh, Dodge Dart, if you remember the darts. Yeah, and it had the 302 in it, the three-speed long shift, three-speed, it had the glass packs. He'd warm it up in the morning, and the whole neighborhood knew. My dad was warming up his car. And uh, anyway, but you would sit in the back seat and you would just bounce all over the place, right? Because you don't have any seatbelts. Anyway, sorry, back to the cigarettes. So dad would smoke in the car and he would crack the window thinking the smoke's going outside. Well, it's not going outside. It's blowing right back in the back seat. 
So I'm getting secondhand smoke all over the place. So what I did was I was, uh, you know, I was three years old, so I would steal his cigarettes. I'd steal the little packs and I'd hide them in my little barn. You remember the barn with the door? When you open the door, would move. And anyway, a lot of you are remembering all this stuff. And so, you know, I'd hide them in there. Well, when, after I hid them in there, I thought, oh, hey, I can play dad. Cause I, you know, and I would pull out a cigarette and look in the mirror and I would try and hold it the way that he did. I would try and tap it the way that he did. You know, you guys, because I'm his son. I would imitate my father. Well, this is flattering to imitate your father. So if you're there in Ephesians 4, if you made it over there, Ephesians 4. Actually, let's go to chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1 says this. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. How do we do that, God? And walk in love. Walk in love as Christ also loved us. Now, in the very first word in verse one is what? Therefore. So this is the New King James translation, by the way. So if you're sudden have a therefore, don't worry about it. But whenever you see a therefore, you don't want to start reading right there. You need to go back and see why it's therefore, right? And so let's bounce back to Ephesians chapter four. Look at verse 22, because this is what Paul, who's writing to the church at Ephesus, is referring to. He says in verse 22, and actually, you know what? Man, let's bounce back even further. Let's, let's start back at verse one in chapter four. It says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to do what? To walk worthy of the calling which you are called with all lowliness, with gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. Now, jump forward over to verse 17. It says, this I say, therefore, and I testify to the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. What does he, what does he mean when he says the word Gentiles? He means people that are without God as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Now, jump forward to verse 22. In verse 22, it says, and put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And then it goes on to begin to describe some of those things. So he says, to put off the old man, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to put on the new man. And then what else did it say? It says to walk in love. I remember this one woman got mad at somebody and she, somebody said to her, walk in love. And they were trying to help her. It probably wasn't the right time in the right way. But she said, yeah, I'll walk in love all over their face. I'll walk in love. And I thought, yeah, we're okay. So we're way off of love right here, right now. But God, so, so in talking about this and, and in God wanting us to imitate him, this is how we imitate him. We put off the old man. So that's something that we do. It's like taking a garment off, right? You take off something and you, and you put on something else. So this transformation process happens in the renewing of our mind. 
where we read the word of God and we don't just read it, but we let it read us. That's whole, you know, some people read the Bible as a novel and they do the Bible reading program and they get all the way through the year and they finish the Bible and they say, yeah, I've read the Bible. Well, that's like saying, yeah, I've eaten. Aren't you hungry now? You know, in order, in order to grow in the word of God, we've got to continue to fe- continually feed on it. It's not a one and done with the Bible, right? And so what God wants us to do in this is I was talking about people and how important people are to us and then what's supposed to happen in our life and how we're supposed to imitate him. Then what God wants to do in us is he wants to change our focus so that we can do a better job walking in love. So turn over to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Well, I'm so glad I got up at 3 this morning and and worked on that other message so I could preach this one. It's great. God, love it. It's amazing. You're so good. All right. So again, we have a therefore, but it's in verse 25. So we're going to look at verse 24. Verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is an old English word for riches or money, right? So, and then it says in verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. This is a word from heaven for some folks. Do not worry about your life, about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to drink, about how much the gas prices are, (laughs) about what you're going to put on your body. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing and your car more than the price of gas? (laughs) Look at the birds of the air, for they neither toil nor spin nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value? than a bird, look at your neighbor, say, you're more valuable than a bird. <laughs> so how many of you remember back in, I want to say it was about 2008, 2009, where the gas prices got pretty close to where they are today. They were a little less. They didn't quite make it to four where we were in Louisville, Kentucky. But how many of you remember that? Gas prices were whew, way out. And so, you know, everybody was trying to figure out what to do. I remember we were pastoring in Louisville, Kentucky at the time, and there, were, there, were, there was this young family in our church, and they were learning about tithing, giving tithes, giving offerings, and that kind of thing. And I remember that they, they were not in a good financial position. They were living check to check, and, and it was a significant thing for them to tithe. And I remember one Sunday, he shared with me the story later. He said, I, I came to church in my heart, I knew I wanted to tithe. He said, but I was looking at our finances going, we're gonna have, seven, we're gonna have $17 left over at the, after we tithe, and that's gotta fill both cars up with fuel for the rest of the week. Now, I don't know about any of this, okay? So I wasn't bending people's arm that Sunday to try and give. He just had it on his heart. So he tithed and stepped out in faith, and, and so he said, I, I went, I drove, to the gas station and said, I've got to fill my car up because he was on E and his wife was on empty. He said, and so he was going to fill his car up. He said, I walked around to the pump 
And I looked at the little readout and it said 27 cents a gallon. And he said, I knocked on it, tapped it. He said, I thought it's, it's messed up. And so he put the pump in his car and $7.50 later, he had filled his car up. Well, well, he paid, of course paid it, and he called his wife, honey, bring your car down here. I'm gonna leave my car right here. We'll move it once you get here. She came down, he moved his car, filled up her car, and for something like $12 and some change, they filled up both cars. Well, then they called a friend of theirs and said, hey, you can get gas at this gas station for 27 cents a gallon. And so the friend is on the way as the attendant comes running out the door and sticks the out of order sign on the pump. He said, now, Pastor Phil, now this is him saying it. I didn't say this. He said, I know there's a thing called coincidence, but I got to tell you that is not coincidence because he's much more valuable than a bird. Let's keep reading. Verse 31 says this, therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How will we pay for gas? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, again, what is that? That's people without God, seek. For if, you, if you went out here on I-49 tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. and sat by the highway, you would see a bunch of people going, going where? Going to work, get their needs met, and their wants paid for, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the system that we live in, but what God wants us to do is not to be dependent upon the system, but to look to him as our source. It's a greater source to look to. Okay, so, but he, but he says in verse 32, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. That's a good reminder. He knows that we have need of these things. So he says in verse 33, the most familiar verse in this chapter, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his right way of doing things. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Check this out. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. (laughs) <laughs> that's, a, that's a God word too. So anyway, Jesus said, what did he say? He said, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. We're supposed to be imitators of our heavenly father, right? So what that means is his grace is sufficient for you and I to be able to follow him. That means I can look at everything that Jesus did, and that means that I have the capability to work and to live in the same thing that he worked and lived in, right? So he wouldn't, he wouldn't say it if I didn't have the sufficiency to be able to do it with him. I need the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. Why? He's your helper. He's here to help you. That means he empowers you. God empowers you through the Holy Spirit with his grace to live the way that you should, which means that in him, we can overcome temptation. In him, we don't have to be worried or concerned or fret 
<clears throat> Yesterday, uh, Nicole was cleaning a window and her mom used to tell me all the time that she was allergic to stings. You know, bee stings, wasp stings, you know, was allergic. She, you know, she would tell me that more than once. I don't remember how many times, but it was more than once. You know, because she's, she's a mama. And I understood that. And so, you know, I, I, I couldn't help but be mindful of it because she said it so many times. And so yesterday, Nicole was cleaning the window and a wasp, she killed a wasp, you killed a wasp, took your shoe or something, you smacked it. And she went to pick it up with, um, with one Kleenex. I would have gotten more, but she did the one. And so it got her in, in her finger. And so when it happened, she was, I mean, you could tell, I mean, it hurt. And, and what's the first thing that pops in my mind? What I've been told all these years. What, what Nicole's mother said, you know, that she's allergic. No, she's allergic. And, and I was like, and so I thought, I have an opportunity here. I can get worried and concerned right away. Or let's pray over this. You know, of course, we had water on it, and, we, and she put ice on it. And I laid my hand on her, and I prayed for her and kept an eye on her because I'm not, I'm not a dummy. I'm not going to be foolish with this. I'm not anti-doctor. I'm not anti-emergency room, you know. But I, I do want to give God an opportunity to work first and not allow the worry and the concern of it to come on me. And so as a result, you know, it, it did just a little finger did swell up just a little, but it went down and praise God, nothing there. But, our, but it's important that we give God an opportunity. Okay. Again, I'm not saying be foolish. I'm not saying, hey, don't go to the doctor. Okay. I'm not anti those things, but I'm pro faith. I'm pro-God. Let's give God an opportunity to work. Amen. Let's look at another situation. You guys remember the rich young ruler? You remember he came to Jesus. What did he say? He said, how can I have eternal life? And so Jesus began, he shared with him the different commandments. He said, all of these I've kept since my youth. And Jesus said, one thing that you lack, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. And he went away sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. He had a lot of money. And he didn't want to live that way. He didn't see more value in God than he saw in the value of what he had. And so what can happen, or what happened with him, was Jesus turned to his disciple after he left, and he went away sad. Jesus turned to his disciples, and he said, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. What was he saying there? What he's saying is it's hard for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. That that's, their, that's where their trust is. It says in Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm. So having our needs met and our wants fulfilled can, can easily become the focus, especially in the system that we live in. And that doesn't help us love people and put the kind of value in people that God does. It blows me away 
the kind of value that God puts in people. When you think about Jesus, Jesus came here, everything that he did was for us. Jesus never owned anything. Didn't own land, didn't own a house, didn't own a donkey, had to borrow one of those. Didn't have a camel to ride on, but yet God took care of him, didn't he? What was his primary focus? Now I understand he had a job to do. He had a mission to fulfill. But what did he care about most? You and I. It says in Hebrews 12 that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What would make someone want to go through what Jesus went through? To experience that excruciating pain, to, to, to have his flesh literally ripped from his body. And then he's nailed to a cross and then he dies on a cross. What, what was it that caused him to do that? It said, for the joy that was set before him. You and I were on the other side of the cross. It was people. So what we talked about last week was becoming love. And one of the reasons that God wants us to become love is so that we'll see the value in people the way we value our own lives. So that we can love them the way that we need to and the way that we should. So that when they're having a bad day, it doesn't wreck our day. Why? Because we can see into that and see something's, not, something's going on in their life. Hey man, what's going on? Can I pray for you? That's a whole lot better than it messing up your day. Well, I can't believe they're treating me like that. They shouldn't treat me like that. You know, you work in customer service. What are you doing in customer service? You know, and then just ripping them. Well, that's not love. That's not valuing people is it but what I but I'm I'm guilty of that I'm not going to speak for you and I'm not going to say something stupid like we'll have altar call for liars later that's not that's totally dumb to say that you know but I'll admit I've allowed these little things to pull me out of love and what how that hurts me individually and anybody else that does that is that faith works by love. I, I don't know about you, but I need my faith to work. I do not want to point my gun at something and need a bullet in there and have nothing. That would be a sad day, especially if I need to kill something. Not a person, a something like an animal, right? All right, so Mark twelve thirty one. This is a... This is the greatest commandment in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and verse 31. It says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then verse 31 says, and love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. So in order for me to love my neighbor as myself, that means that that person is more important than my dinner order that they just messed up. That means the lady at the dry cleaners is more important than my shirt that she scorched. They're more important <laughs> than how I'm feeling or whether or not I've had my cup of coffee today. I don't know, 
know about you, but I, you know, I just, as, as I was putting this together and I was studying about how, God, how much God values people and he values us, it just convicted me because when you read in 1 John chapter 4 and chapter 5, and it talks about how we're supposed to love people the way God loves us, and when you really begin to look at that and you really begin to break it down, you just go, I just went... I haven't done it <laughs> right. I shared with the Wednesday night group we had midweek because our air conditioning has been out. How long has it been out now? A For week and a day. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we're putting notches <laughs> in the wall or anything. And I bless their hearts. Our family still wanted to come and stay at our house. I have no idea why, other than if I would have slept in the pool if I would have been you guys. <laughs> So, but anyway, so we have, we've been without air conditioning, so I've been trying to work with the warranty company, and I shared with the midweek how, you know, I called the warranty company, and, and they said, well, it's under review, and I'm like, well, well you know, why, why is it under review? I mean, it's broke, you know, and then they called, and they asked me about maintenance, and what kind of maintenance has been done, and then they called me back, and well, after they made that phone call, I called them back, and I said, wait a minute, does that mean that you guys are not going to take care of the bill on this I mean because I don't have I didn't have a company come out and do schedule maintenance I've only been in the house a year and they said well we're going to pay for parts but we're not going to pay for the repair well I did not become love in that moment I became wrath vengeance is mine thus saith Phil right isn't that what the Bible says and uh, it actually says thus saith God (laughs) vengeance is his and man I just unloaded because I thought are you kidding this is why I bought insurance this is why I have a home warranty and I talked about it on Wednesday night that I totally forgot about the person I'm talking to on the phone because they have no ability to change it the person on the phone that I'm talking to and then my heart sank because I realized And and wait a minute, that wouldn't have changed the fact that I need air conditioning, okay? That wouldn't have changed that I I would have still said many of the things that I said other than you can play back that recording and some other (laughs) things things that I said. All right. (laughs) Because I'm wanting to get better at loving people. I want to love people the way God loved me. I, I, I owe that to God to pay that forward to people, you know? And so that means people are more important than the stain on my couch that they created. That means they're more important than all the work I had to do on my pool because there were so many people in it. I'd rather have the people in the pool. Because Nicole can tell you, I've worked hard. I've put, how many hours have I put? Okay, never mind. So let's, let's end with this. Becca, come and help me. Let's end with Luke chapter 6, if you're still there. <clears throat> Look at verse 32. Luke chapter 6. Verse 32. I'm just going to read it from my iPad here. Verse 32 says this, it says, but if you love those who love you, 
What credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And then in verse 35, it says, but love your enemies. Do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return. Wow. One time I, before I read any farther, one time God put it on my heart. There was this young man that came over to our house and we wore the same size. And, And I said, and Lord put it on my heart, just invite him to go in your closet and he can pick out whatever shirts he wants. And so he, he, he goes, really? I said, yeah, man, just have at it. And anyway, he walked in there and he picked out, I don't know, three or four shirts, came walking back out and he said, are these okay? I said, yeah, man, absolutely. You can have them. And my flesh, the heart of my flesh sank because my favorite shirt was in that group. <laughs> and, and he looked at me and he goes, are you sure these are okay? I said, oh yeah, man, it's okay. You know, my flesh going, my shirt. And he said, he goes, oh man, I'm relieved because I thought, man, what if one of these is his favorite shirt? <laughs> ah, it was. But love, <laughs> hoping for nothing in return, where were we? For your reward will be great and you will be sons and you can put daughters in there of the most high for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil god is kind to the unthankful to the evil person he reigns on the just and the unjust he still gives rain in season this one, we gave this quote on Sunday, and I kind of want to explain it a little. Because when I read it, I was like, wow, that'll really, that gives you something to chew on for a while. But this was the quote. It was by George Woodruff. He said, the test of Christianity is not loving Jesus. What did we just read? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? The test of Christianity is not loving Jesus. It's loving Judas. Now, no matter how you feel about Judas, let me tell you, the priests were going to kill him any way they could. God didn't have to use Judas. Judas made a choice, and it cost him. He did that by his own free will. But leading up to that point, Jesus knowing all along, how did he treat Judas? He gave him every opportunity to make the right choice, but he refused. He allowed himself to get offended, allowed himself to get bitter. Do you remember when Mary came in and she broke the alabaster box, very costly perfume, poured it over Jesus' feet, gave Jesus something that you can't take back? He would probably still smell the perfume on the cross. I bet you. And she gave that wonderful gift. What happened? One of the disciples said, why, did, why this waste? We could have sold that. That, that was worth a year's salary. And we could have given it to the poor. Who was it that said that? Judas. So his heart was already 
offended. He was offended by the gift. And, and the Bible said that it was because he kept the money box, that he didn't care anything about the poor, but he would dip in and take out. So he was living a double standard. I'm a disciple of Jesus, but there's plenty in there. I'm going to take some. Mm. But what did Jesus do? Jesus loved him anyway. He loved Judas. He wanted him to be a true disciple. But Judas made another choice. But here's my point, is that even if Judas hadn't decided to, to deny Jesus or to, you know, to betray him, somebody else would have. The priests would have figured out a way to kill the Messiah. Because that was the plan for him to die. But when I read that statement, I went, wow, that's a lot to chew on. It doesn't mean that we open ourselves up to be hurt, to be taken advantage of, to be walked on, to, to, for them to drive the bus over you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you choosing to love them anyway. Some people, some people you have to love like this. I love you, but I don't, I'm not gonna trust you in that area because you've taken advantage of me there. And so I'm not going to make myself vulnerable to that, but I'm still going to love you and walk in forgiveness toward you. One of the scriptures I didn't mention in Luke 6, 33, turn over there real quick and this will be my last thing. I promise, I promise. I'm not going to say I'm closing. I'm just going to say it's the last thing. Luke 6, look at what it says after verse 33. I'm in the wrong one. Let me go back. Hold on. Please stand by. Matthew. I'm in the wrong book. Sorry. Matthew 6. Look what it says right after verse 33. You guys there? You beat me. 633. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these things will be added. I'm um, sorry chapter 7 verse 1 it's after 34 because it then talks about don't worry about your life sufficient for the day is its own trouble judge not that you be not judged but with the same judgment you use it will be measured back to you John 20 27 is an interesting verse as well it says I think it's 2023 20, no, I said that would be the last thing this will be the last thing John 20, 23 says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Wow. Big part of walking in love for us is living a life of forgiveness. Living a life of being willing to let go forgive people. Would you bow your heads close your eyes all around the room. Father, we're just so thankful for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's the guide, that it's the final authority for life and godliness. And Lord, we thank you that you've given it to us and that you're opening up the mysteries of the gospel. And Father, I, we see in your word how you love people. Everything that you have done has been for people. 
And then you're asking us in 1 John 4 to love people the way that you love us. Lord, like Peter said, increase our faith. Lord, we are praying today for you to increase our faith. Lord, we want to walk and to live a life of love in front of other people. Lord, so that they're drawn to you. That's the whole purpose. If that's you in this room, and maybe you're harboring something against someone and you need to forgive them, you need to let it go so that you can be free to love the way that you need to. If that's you, I want to pray for you. If you're here and your life is not right with God, Maybe you prayed a prayer at some point, but you have not been living for him. And you say, man, I, I'm ready to come back to God. I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm done trying to live on my own. Let me tell you, God is here. <clears throat> and he will accept you back. In fact, he's got his arms wide open. He's like the father of the prodigal. He's looking over the ridge, waiting for you to come home. If that's you, I want to pray for you. If that's you, if either two of those are you, you want, you need to forgive or you want to get things right, would you just raise your hand, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. I want to pray for you. If that's you, anywhere in the room, you say, that's me, I need to forgive. Yeah. Anybody else? That's you. Man, let's, let's pray this together. Would you repeat after me? Let's all pray together. So those that raise their hands are not alone in this, but let's all pray this out loud together. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you for the way that you've loved me. I receive your love. And I ask you to forgive me for unforgiveness. Lord, I forgive that person. I release them by faith. And I thank you, Lord, for creating in me a clean heart and renewing a right spirit within me. And Lord, I ask you, I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill my life. I believe in you and I choose to make you Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you.